Thank you very much, Rachel, for reading that for us. Well, it's great to be here with you all this evening. Uh, I want to thank uh, Gilly for having me along and the committee for asking me to come along. Uh, I'm now 27, just turned 27, and I used to sit where you're sitting, okay, and it all just passed away in a blink, okay, <laughs> from them like 10 years more. Um, and that's what we're going to look at tonight, okay? So as we start here this evening into Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I want you to speak to someone beside you just for one, like about 30 seconds, and I want you to come up with things that a successful life will look like, okay? So some things that you think will mark out a successful life, all right? Everybody have enough? Okay, speak to your neighbor, okay? Get a couple of ideas. Okay, so let's hear what some of the things are that you think will make a successful life. Somebody give me one. Family, okay, so having your own family. Okay, how many kids are you looking? <laughs> I'm joking, don't answer that. Okay, money, okay, so family, money. Somebody in the middle here, towards the back, give me one. A Mustang. Love it, lad. Okay, you're going to have to get it imported probably. Okay, Mustang, nice cars. Okay, somebody from this side. What else? Don't be shy. Anybody? Come on. You're letting me down over here. Happiness. Okay, so anybody else got anything different? Anybody? Contentment. Anybody have nice house? No? Nice house. Okay, so... The whole point is that in this world, the world tells us that as we come along and as we try to do life, and especially at your stage in life, if you're going to be successful, if you're going to be deemed successful, you've got to accumulate loads of different things. Hands up if you've ever played Hungry Hippos. Anybody ever played Hungry Hippos? Okay. That's what life is like. If you don't know what Hungry Hippos is, I can't help you. But (laughs) pretty much the idea of Hungry Hippos you try and gather as many little balls as you can, trying to gobble them all up. And that's what life is like for us. We try to gobble up as much as we can. We try to grab and cling on to as many things as we can. We try to take in wealth, education, family, cars. We try to build nice homes for ourselves. And if we don't have these things, then the world tells us that we are not successful. We're not living a good life, or on Instagram, we're not living our best life. And it's false. Here in Ecclesiastes, the the book has something totally different to tell us. If you've been part of this series, or perhaps you're new tonight, we've been looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. And what, what we have is the author is writing, and as he writes, he's writing from the perspective of a teacher... So the teacher is a character in this book, and it's one of the three wisdom books in in the Bible. And he's trying to write so that we can understand the meaning of life, that that we would fear God and that we would live a good life, a proper life here on this earth. So the idea is that you will understand the meaning of life, that you will fear God, and that you will lift your eyes off yourself and off the things of this world and onto God. 
So the teacher of Ecclesiastes keeps using this word. If you have your Bible, please do keep it open with me at Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He keeps using this word vanity, which is in, in Hebrew is havel, which really means vapor or smoke. Okay, so hence the picture that you see up. Life is but smoke. It appears really cool. It appears almost like it's solid and that you can touch it. But as soon as you go to grasp it, it disappears through your fingers. It looks beautiful, but it soon vanishes. So that is your life, says the teacher in the book of Ecclesiastes. It is but smoke. It is uncontrollable. It is beautiful. It is mysterious. So what are the things that are smoke in your life? The the teacher will say the wisdom and knowledge are but smoke, pleasures and possessions and accomplishments, work, wisdom. All of these things are but smoke. And tonight here in our passage, what happens is that he, 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 he really fleshes it out for us how there are four different levels of how individualism, okay, the pursuit of self, and self-worth, self-gain, how individualism will lead to an unsuccessful life, an unsatisfied life, and it will be a life that chases after smoke. So tonight, as we look at this, the teacher is going to press his finger into some festering parts of our hearts here tonight, and he's calling us to wake up. He's calling us to reorientate ourselves tonight around the truth of the gospel. If you have your Bible, back into Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This is how our passage is framed. The the teacher frames it all around chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. I'll read it to you. He says this, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to nor anything taken from it. So he frames Ecclesiastes chapter 4 with them a few verses. And then he talks to us about how individualism is evil on a worldwide scale, on a global scale, at a country level, okay, at a national level, at a local town level. So right here in Portadown, how individualism is crippling our town. And then at a level of self. Okay, so four different levels. We're going to scoot through them here tonight. And hopefully we will be able to see God working and pressing upon our hearts. So firstly, worldwide individualism means that there is no one to bring comfort, verse 1 to 3. Okay, so here we have it. There's loads of people being oppressed. We see it in our own town. We see it in the world, right? If we look at the statistics of those who are put into prison in America, there's young black males. If we look at what happens to Christians in Nigeria, if we look at what happens to women in India, and we could go on and on and on. Our world is full of oppression. Here in chapter 4 it says, Again, I saw all of the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold the tears of the oppressed. And they had no one to comfort them. They had no one to comfort them. Why did they have no one to comfort them? Because the teacher here sees a world that doesn't care. 
and it's true of us, isn't it? Whenever something bad happens to someone around us, all that we can turn around and say, well, I'm glad it wasn't me. Or yeah, that might be awful for them, but um, it's not me, so why would I care about them? What, what do you want me to do about it? They are the weak, that isn't my fault. The powerful have authority. There's nothing we can do about it. It's just the way it is. I can't do anything. And evil is allowed to breed. It festers. And individualism says, let it happen. And good people retreat. And the church is silent. The teacher here in Ecclesiastes says, it is better for us to be dead. It's better for us never to have been born. Why? Because we become so inward focused. How do we know this? How do we know this is true tonight? We know it's true because of what you do on your phone. Okay. Apple, if you have an iPhone, sends you a little update at the end of every week now and it scares you how much time you spend on your phone. It gives you a little update of screen time. Okay. Sometimes, I think I was in Portland College and I did the little thing. You can do it later where you go into your settings and you see how long you spend on each of your apps. Okay. Like, 12 hours, 18 hours, maybe in WhatsApp, 24 hours in a week. And Snapchat could be even higher than that. We love ourselves. We love to present ourselves to other people, and we love to see how other people are doing. It's not the whole point of our Instagram stories. So we can see what people are doing today. I wonder what such and such is at how cool we can make our little coffee look. Like, coffee can only look so cool if you go to ground, okay? But we love it. And we don't care about anybody else. We don't care about what's happening outside of us. We don't care about those who are oppressed. We don't care about those who are oppressing them. And and there's no one, no one in the world, the teacher says, that is left to comfort them. There's no one even left to comfort or to rescue those who are the oppressors. Everyone is so inward-focused. Friends, tonight, that is a great danger for us. Who do you think most about? It's yourself. Your thoughts are consumed with self. Your money is consumed with spending it on yourself. Your future is all about yourself. It's never about anyone else. Where does this end? Where does it all end for humanity? It ends with us knowing that life is but smoke. So if you're a Christian here tonight, then what, what, what way are we meant to live? Well, we're meant to live as salt and light. We're meant to live as those who care for those who are oppressed. That we stand up and comfort those who are oppressed. And for those who do the oppressing, that we speak to them. That we pray for them. Our churches for years and years and years have been known to pray for our leaders, to pray for the powerful, that God would call them back and show them his mercy. So that's a global scale. What about our local town, okay? Individualism in our local town means that you will work out of jealousy. Does anybody here know someone that works out of jealousy? No, don't put your hand up. I know someone in my life who works out of jealousy. Whenever I was at university, it's this one person in particular, always would ask, well, how did you get? How did you get on in that result? What did you get in that result? Just so that they could have a little smile to themselves if they beat you. I'm sure there's someone like that in your class. That loves to beat you. It's like your arch rival. You know, you're like nemesis. Whenever, whenever I was a Porter in college, there was one person in particular who always wanted to beat me to get onto the, onto the rugby team. 
working out of jealousy. Here we see it. Verses 4 through 6. Then I saw that all toil and skill and work came from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity or smoke and a striving after wind. The person that says, what, are, what, are, what is your hope? What is your ambition? Because I want to beat you. We see it all across our time. A neighbor gets a nicer car, so then we have to get an upgrade. Somebody gets a bigger house, so we've got to get a bigger house. Someone goes on a nicer holiday, so our family has to go on a better holiday than them. And all that we're doing is competing against one another. And sadly, it comes into Christian fellowship as well. So here tonight, sadly, many of us are in competition with one another. Where does that end up? It ends up with us hating each other, turning against each other, and not celebrating one another. So whenever someone does well, there's nothing greater than being able to come alongside them and rejoice with them and say, well done, brother or sister. I'm so glad that you got that. You beat me in that test. Well done. And saying it genuinely, well done. You got back into college. Well done. You got that place in the course that you were looking for. Well done. Praise you. May the Lord bless you. May he, may he take your gifts and may he use them. What are we more likely to say in this country? We're likely to say in this town. Such and such is doing well. Oh, they must be doing it out of, a, out of a bad heart. They must be cheating their way to success. They must be doing it through the back door. How did, how did they get ahead of us? And we use our words to tear people down. So we pursue trying to do things better than one another. Better jobs, better grades, nicer car, nicer or richer parents than yours, a nicer house, a nicer car. Even whenever we look for partners, I wonder what job they'll have. I wonder what car they'll drive. I wonder how nice of a lifestyle they will have. And we're motivated by jealousy. If you have your Bible, flip it open to Romans chapter 12. Because here Paul takes Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and he brings it right into the church and he tells the church at Rome the exact same things, only in a slightly different words, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. He says this, right? And if you go away with nothing else tonight, out of Ecclesiastes 4, listen to these words from Paul. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Which one of those two are easier to do? All of us will naturally say it's easier to rejoice with someone whenever they rejoice. But if we think and pause for just one moment, we know that that's really difficult. That's great that they've got that but inside you wish that it was you. Friends, do it with genuine love for one another. That's what Paul encourages us to do. Stop pursuing rivalry. Stop pursuing a betterment of your friends. It will corrode you 
and it is but smoke. So what's the alternative to it? Well, it's a life that has joy in the Lord, a life that wants to celebrate people, a life who sees what life is all about, someone who sees the Lord, knows the joy of the Lord and the hope that there is in the Lord, someone who continually encourages I wonder, do you know them sorts of people? People who encourage. People who want to see you do well. Faithful saints, maybe, in your church. Older people that pray for you week in and week out. Beautiful people. People that love you and love the Lord. That's what Ecclesiastes says. That's what Ecclesiastes says there's life in, not in this alternative. So we've thought about global, we've thought about our town. Now, what about in the workplace? In the workplace, individualism means that you're depriving yourself of pleasure. Right? Here the the, the teacher goes on and he says there's people who are workaholics. If, If you are tempted to be a workaholic, I don't know how studious you are. Probably for the girls, you're probably more studious than most of the fellas here. That's just a broad assumption, okay? It's not true in every case, but in most If you are a workaholic tonight, will you please stop? Stop and assess what you're working for. Because here in Ecclesiastes, the teacher wants to tell us that if you're just working for the betterment of yourself, if you're just working to obtain things like that hungry hippo's game, if you're just working to get richer, to have more things, to have a bigger house, to have nicer holidays, then it's all smoke. How do we know it's all smoke? Because death comes. And death levels every single one of us. No matter how rich we are. No matter how poor we are. No matter how nice our car is. If we've got the Mustang or if we don't. No matter how big our house is. Death will still come. So here, as we work in this life, don't just work out of envy for one another. Don't just work to get more in life. But the end of that will mean that you are alone. That's what Ecclesiastes here says to us, that you will end up alone, that you will be alone in this life. There will be nobody around you to share this with. And that's desperate. Instead, the teacher says there's great joy in community. There's great joy being with one another and loving one another. Not isolated, not having all the money in the world, but having no one to share it with. You see, here the teacher starts to drive us away from self and towards the community of people. Not I, but we. Not me, but we. Not how am I doing, but how are we doing. Not how successful am I being, but how are my friends? How are the people around me? And then lastly, at a a level, here we see that that the teacher in Ecclesiastes starts to finish with this image of the king. This young self-made man that comes to the throne, this one who has kind of made it right from the bottom. I'm sure we're all familiar with Conor McGregor. Right from the bottom, his story, and he came to take over. And loads of people surround him. Loads of people rushed to him. But with time, 
Ecclesiastes says, no one remembers him. So even the self-made man, his life is but smoke. No purpose, no meaning. He has not lived the perfect life. It's all smoke. So in the midst of this emptiness, in the midst of all this talk about everything being meaningless, everything being a vapor, everything being but smoke, where do we go from Ecclesiastes chapter 4? Well, right at the end of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, this image of this king, this young man who will come from a humble background, who will come and sit upon a throne, and then this throne's going to pass away, and the people that follow him, they'll follow him for a little while, and then they'll pass away. Well, surely this has some sort of image. It carries some sort of reflection or shadow of the one who will come, who will humble himself, who will go to prison, and then he will ascend to the throne, just like this young man in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. But instead of people only following him for a little while, nations will follow him. People will follow him forever and forever and forever. People will not fall away from following him, but they will endure. Things will not be like smoke with this man, but things will last forever. He will be the rock, the cornerstone, the one whom we can build our lives upon, the one who will give us meaning to life. Because see, tonight, young people, there's so many people, young people across our town here tonight or out there tonight that have absolutely no hope. Why do they have no hope? They have no hope because they do not have the Lord Jesus Christ, this one who will come and who will endure the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And they don't know him. And they don't even know how to get to him. They're putting emphasis upon upon themselves. So if they mess up, if their grades aren't good enough, if their future doesn't look bright enough, then they have absolutely no hope. They don't know where to go. They don't know who to go to. And they think that there's no way out. And not just young people, but people of every age. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, the teacher speaks. And he says that you've got to have Jesus right at the center of everything that you do. And Andrew will put it up for us. You've got to have Jesus right at the center. You've got to have God right at the center of your life. And whenever you have God right at the center, whenever you have your life built upon Jesus Christ, the rock or cornerstone, then you can enjoy life. So you, you, you work as hard as you can and you grab money and you get money, but you don't just keep it for yourself. You use it to bless other people so that you can eat and that you can drink, so that you can share with people, that you can bless people around you. So that if you get a Mustang, if the Lord wills that you can afford a Mustang, that you take all your friends for a drive in it and let them enjoy the beauty of it. Or if you get a big house, that you open it up so other people can come in and it can be a place of refuge where you can point people and counsel people towards the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it flips everything on its head. Not us, not me, but the Lord Jesus Christ. So we live for him. We follow him. We build our lives upon him because he will last. Even though our life will be like smoke and it will just pass through our hands. We'll be here one day and we will be gone the next. We will have eternal life 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that gives us meaning and it gives us hope because we have a rescuer. So tonight, as we leave and as I wrap up, as we close, what do we do in the back of Ecclesiastes chapter 4? First of all, I want you to stop pushing yourself. Stop striving for self because that will all end in disaster. You're making you your own savior. Stop it. Look to Christ tonight. Secondly, I want you to live your life for and with other people. Not out of jealousy. Not out of trying to beat someone around you. But out of community and celebrating the people around you in the Lord. Blessing them with what he gives you. You see, here tonight, we might not have as much as we want. But whatever we have has been given to us by the Lord. So thank him for it. And as we go, please, please, please tell other people about this hope. Because everybody is caught in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Our world is caught in it. They don't care about anyone else. They care about themselves and trying to be the best that they can be. And then death will come and take them. So go tonight and tell people that there's more to life than trying to get rich. There's more to life than all these things that the world tries to say to us is success. There's more to life and his name's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gives us our hope. And he gives us our meaning. Now we've run through this really, really quickly. If you want to speak to someone, speak to one of the leaders here tonight. They'd love to talk to you about this. Speak to Gilly or one of the other leaders. I'd be about for a little while. If you're trying to think this through, if you're wrestling with it, what is the meaning of life? Please, please don't leave tonight without speaking to someone here. I'm going to close in a moment or two. I'm going to pray. And then, we're, are we singing, Gilly? We'll sing. Okay, so let us close. with bow our heads and pray. Father, we look around at this world and nothing lasts. Everything that we try to obtain, everything that we strive after, it will break, it will corrode, it will rust. And Father, tonight, we are sorry because we have been caught up in that. Father, we have chased so many things. We've chased already after grades and after money and after things that this world says will bring us success. Father, we ask tonight that you will forgive us in and through your Son. We pray tonight that we would have the Lord Jesus Christ at the center of our lives, that we would build our lives upon him, that we wouldn't live for self that we wouldn't be so concerned about ourselves, but we'd be concerned about those around us and that we would point the people around us to the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son. Father, we thank you so much tonight for what you have blessed us with. Father, help us to enjoy our life. Help us to be thankful people. Help us to be people who celebrate each other because of the grace that you have shown us. 
Father, we pray that you will be with us. Help us to change our hearts by the power of your Spirit, that he would conform us and change us and mold us and shape us more to be like your Son. Father, please help us. We pray this all in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Please stand with us again. We'll worship one last time. <clears throat>